It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Going to be joined by co-host Wes Goldberg in just a minute. But first, the Dubs lose in embarrassing fashion to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, honestly, it was really, really bad. We're going to talk about that game a little bit. Try and break it down as much as we can, but it might just be an anomaly on a terrible season. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, his passiveness at times. Marquise Chris. As he kind of locked himself into a roster spot this season. And the future of the Warriors. And maybe some trade opportunities. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. Charles T. Hamilton, Wes Goldberg, joining us in just a minute. He was at that massacre, awful joke of an NBA game last night. I'm sorry, man. That was as bad as it gets. You know, I spent yesterday watching some of the worst professional sports that I've ever seen between the Raiders and Jags and then Warriors Kings. It was like, I feel like. You know, like fans ask for money back, and usually it's like, yeah, whatever. No, I, we deserve our money back after after yesterday. It was really, really bad. But we are going to talk about it at length, <laughs> figure out what went wrong, figure out why D'Angelo Russell has been passive and kind of why this team is in a stop-start mode. And injuries have something to do with it, obviously. Uh, as you'll be shocked to find out, injuries have been a major part in this season. Going to bring Wes Goldberg on in just a minute. But first, the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked on NBA at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDW, we get that migrating your business to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDW's experts can help you simplify the transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell Technologies solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. 
Find out more at cdw.com slash Dell Tech. Wes, you, of course, were at just probably the worst NBA basketball game uh, I can ever remember watching. I was saying I spent yesterday watching, I think, the two worst professional games I've ever seen. Uh, first, it was Raiders-Jags, uh, you know, getting the, the goodbye to the Oakland Coliseum, and then Kings-Warriors. And uh, usually I love all that stuff, you know, but yesterday was a day where it's like, you know, I might need a day off after that, that it was so bad. Um, was it that bad in person? I mean, you were there. Was it that yeah. bad in person? How was the, the atmosphere and everything? Like, could you guys tell that <laughs> you were seeing I- something historically bad? I would say maybe it was even almost worse in person than it was on TV because if at least when you're watching on TV on your couch, you can go grab a beer and, you know, grab some snacks and just sort of chill out, you know, lay in your pajamas or whatever. Being at the game, you know, I had to work. I had to, like, do stuff. And it was it's really hard to, to, to do that when that game, I mean, almost 50 combined turnovers, more than 50 combined turnovers um, between the two teams. And that was the first time since 2001 that we'd ever seen a box score quite like that, where a team can commit 27 turnovers or 29 turnovers and still manage to win by at least 21 points. The last time that happened was in 2001 and it was the Utah jazz doing that against guess who the golden state warriors. Uh, So the last two times this happened, the Warriors have been on the losing ends of both times, which is pretty interesting considering that between those two losses was a dynasty. So uh, it was it was pretty crazy to see that. I think it didn't it didn't help that it was against the Sacramento Kings and there was a lot of Sacramento Kings fans um, at Chase Center for presumably the first time. Um, you know, there was a lot of Sacramento chants going on by by the third quarter, by the second quarter. Really, I was noticing ushers literally bringing people down, upgrading their seats into the lower bowl because even the lower bowl was empty and they just wanted to fill the lower bowl. So people were just drag getting dragged down to the lower bowl into better seats and. I, on one hand, I was like, oh, wow, how lucky they are. You know, they get the, they paid for a cheaper seat. They get upgraded to a great seat. But then again, they had to watch that piece of crap. So, you know, yeah. maybe not the most lucky night for them. I mean, is there any other team that would lose a game in which they've the, – the other team had 29 turnovers? Like, it, it – it, I'm, I'm dead serious. If, if Could you pick another team in the NBA right now that, you know, if the Kings gave up 29 turnovers, you would think they would lose? Like the Knicks, I wouldn't even put the Warriors the in that. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's completely unheard of. Like this, it's it's unbelievable. And what was crazy was that, like, the Warriors committed twenty turnovers, the Kings committed twenty nine, and they both seemed to they they both scored basically the same amount of points off the turnovers. the The Warriors also took, I think, seventeen or eighteen more shots than the Kings. I mean, they you look at the box score of turnovers shot attempts, rebounds, all this stuff. Like, you would have thought that, like, the Warriors got out-rebounded, but, but not by that much. And and you would have thought, looking at all that stuff, that, yeah, the Warriors won that game. But then you look at the shooting percentages, and the Kings shot better than 60% from the field overall, despite taking 17 fewer shots. But if you shoot at that percentage, uh, and a lot of those points were just easy buckets in transition because the Warriors were coughing the ball up a whole bunch of times. But the Warriors didn't manage to do that on their end, right? Like, if they committed 29 turnovers, you'd imagine that you would have a bunch of easy points in transition, but they just botched a bunch of those attempts. I mean, there was one play where Draymond Green just went in for a layup off of a, off of a steal or a loose ball, 
and he just like he just threw the ball against the backboard. It bounced back to Buddy Heald, and then he got a layup on the other end. I was like, "What are you doing? That might have been the worst layup attempt I've ever seen in my life." So, uh, it, it was I'm going to at least be an game. apologist on that one and say he was going for a, a backboard uh, assist to, who? to I don't know who the, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but man, I I I just to try and explain it to myself, I think more than anything because that was brutal uh a vicious hard miss off the backboard by Draymond Green uh Wes you wrote about the game last night and one of the things you said which I I agree with and enjoyed you know thinking about and reading is the fact that they're pretty over-reliant on their two-way players right now uh Kai Bowman and Damian Lee Damian Lee had a pretty good game you know went uh over from three but was still able to uh score double digits and Gave him boosts at times where you thought maybe they had a chance, but at a certain point they're gonna have to fix that, whether that's making these guys full time roster players or I don't know, getting guys on the roster that are good enough to not lose minutes to two way players. I mean, what can you kind of just break that down a little bit, what you wrote about with their over reliance on the, the two way players? Yeah, I mean it's pretty staggering when you look at how many points they've had contributed by two way players. It's been more than any other team has all of last season. So the Warriors lead the league, 373 total points contributed by two-way players. The next closest teams are the Rockets and the Heat, who are in the 90s. Okay, so they've, <laughs> I mean, they're two-way players, you could argue, or two of their better players. And by the way, Damian Lee just missed like 16 games with a broken hand. That's with all of that. And, and Kai Bowman hasn't played the last two games because he's in the G League because they're using up all of his days. And you look at last year, the Grizzlies had led the league with, contributions from two-way players with 323 points so that was in 50 games that they got from two-way players in in 30 in less than 30 games the Warriors have already surpassed that by 20 or by 50 I'm sorry so like it's it's literally it's never been done before now the two-way contract player has only been around for about three years now but this has never been done before they are setting the standard of points contributed by two-way standards I don't know by two-way contract players I don't know that this will be a record ever even broken again like it's pretty yeah. insane what they're going to be doing. Uh, and the only way it's going to change is if they actually convert these guys from two-way contracts to standard contract deals. And we know that the front office is working on ways to figure this out with Kai Bowman. And now that December 15th has come and passed, they are going to be able to make some trades between them and the trade deadline to possibly make that happen. But I've said this before, they wouldn't have Kai Bowman in the G League for the foreseeable future unless they already thought that that trade was going to happen. So they're still waiting for the right trade to materialize here or any trade at all, I guess. But at some point, you got to be able to bring Bowman up. We assume that that's going to happen at some point in the season, but that has nothing to do with Damian Lee, who has been among the best scorers on this team this season. I mean, he, came, he just came off a 20-point game. He had 10 points last night against Sacramento. Um, I think that he's done enough to earn a roster spot somewhere in the NBA. It'll be, be interesting to see if he, they manage to hold on to him after this season. Um, I think they want to. But uh, I, I do think that that's a, a, a decision that they're probably going to have to make over the summer because I don't really see another way for them to bring him up in addition to Kai Bowman. And I would imagine at this point that the priority would be Kai Bowman. Yeah, I mean, age, position, all that stuff, it, it leans towards uh, Kai Bowman. And the amount of time left on the, the two-way contract, it, it yeah. all leans towards Kai Bowman being the priority as far as who they're going to bring up. Uh, I had some questions about... D'Angelo Russell and Marquise Chris in their performances as of late. And uh, I'm going to ask those to you in just a minute. 
Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Wes, as we mentioned, the Warriors lost in historic fashion. Uh, Kings had 29 turnovers, were still able to win by 21. I mean, that's even salt in the wound right there, you know, insult to injury. It's like, it's one thing if you lose, but you get blown out when the other team turns the ball over 29 times. It, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, the, the amount of turnovers was disgusting and slapstick turnovers, like none of them really made sense. Just incredibly careless. But again, whatever, the Kings walk away with the win. Warriors, technically, I guess it's better that they lose. But again, you know, I don't know. Not that they had a chance to win this one, but would have been nice to be competitive against your NorCal quote-unquote rival. But D'Angelo Russell went two of nine from the field for eight points. And it's something that we've seen ever since he came back from the the thumb injury or hand injury, whatever it is, that he has games where it's just two of nine, one of seven, where he's just not aggressive. You know, Willie Cauley-Stein took as many shots as he did last night. Is there anything you can attribute that to, anything you're seeing as to why he goes, you know, 20 shots one game and then seems passive and, and just out of it another? I mean, not really. I think the only thing that he would tell you is that, you know, he tries to just make the right play on every possession. And how many turnovers did he have in the game? I mean, I don't even have that in front of me right now. But He had four um, turnovers. And you mentioned him making the right play. He did have eight assists last night, so I will give him that. Yeah, I almost wonder if, you know, he, he was seeing some things there where he he was you know, able to rack up those eight assists. The four turnovers aren't great, but it's a two-to-one ratio, which is not bad. Um, actually pretty good. But uh, it just felt like the entire offense was disjointed and out of rhythm. And I guess when you're him, when you're when you're the lead point guard, maybe your immediate thought is, okay, let me not go try to get mine. Like, this thing is so disjointed. I've got to – like, his focus might at that point be just trying to build some sort of rhythm offensively as opposed to just chucking up shots that come into a natural flow of the offense. Now, that's just me guessing. I really don't know because you're right. Overall, like, there are nights where D'Angelo Russell is shooting, you know, scoring 52 points, and there's other nights where he completely disappears. And that's not new for D'Angelo Russell this season. That's sort of been his whole kind of deal for his career, and it's eliminating those nights or making them fewer and further between that are going to prop him up from, like, Eastern Conference fringe all-star to, like, legitimate all-star player. And I think he'll get there. He's only 23 years old. He's in a new system. He's being asked to learn a new system, uh, play off of Draymond Green and, got, and things like that. But like when you're the best player on the floor, and you could argue that he was the best player on the floor last night, 
depending on what you think about Buddy Heald, like he should have been able to dominate in that game, especially given that the Kings don't really have great guards defensively who should be locking him down. And so overall, it's pretty inexcusable. But then again, you could just chalk it up to it just being a really, really weird box score in general. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It could just be one of the weirdest NBA games that's ever been played. Uh, another thing that has happened since guys have gotten healthy, come back, Kevon Looney, uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, who else? Uh, you know, Draymond in and out of the lineup, Jacob Evans, all these guys coming back from injury is – Right before they came back, it felt like there was a, I don't know, like they were getting into a groove a little bit, a little bit of a set rotation. And now that it's kind of everyone's back, it's cutting into guys' minutes and things like that and kind of what they were getting used to. You think that's part of why this is kind of taking a step backwards, yeah. it feels like, where, you know, Amari Spellman is, hasn't had the same impact that he had earlier in the year, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I I was talking with a few players about this last night, this this very idea that you're bringing up. And I think there is a little bit of a start and stop kind of feeling going on right now where, you know, you've you've lost a bunch of players to start the season. You get a few of them back. You lose a few other ones. Guys are in and out of lineups. I mean, Eric Paschal has missed two games now with a hip injury that they didn't think would be lingering the way it has. And so there is a little bit of, okay, we got to keep learning our own personnel. We have to learn the other team's personnel. We've got to on a day on, you know, on a game to game basis. And it does just sort of feel like they can't really get into a rhythm. Now they're healthier than they've been basically all season. They're going to get Pascal back for Wednesday night's game in Portland. And hopefully after that, they are able to start building something and start establishing some sort of set rotation and things like that. Because even rotation wise, they've just been sort of experimenting. Jacob Evans is in the first quarter. Okay. Now he's playing in, come off the bench in the second quarter. You know, what's the center rotation going to be? It seems to always be different on a game-to-game basis. And uh, once they actually establish a set rotation, they experiment, and the, 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 the experimenting with the lineups and stuff changes, and they just settle on something, maybe at that point they're able to continue to build towards what Steve Kerr thinks is a team that can string together a few wins here, but they just haven't seen like they've been able to establish any sort of continuity and I really do think it is hurting them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think there will be some moves made eventually that will open up uh, more minutes for some of the younger guys, because I do think that is still the best use of this season. I think, you know, Amari Spellman getting minutes and getting run is more important than, you know, Kavon Looney. Not that I think he'll be moved or anything, but just uh, I, 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 I would stick you, with the Do you think that there's side. one too many centers? Do you think there's one too yes. many centers on this roster? Yes, and I also think, especially considering I think Spellman kind of fits. Yes, he can play power forward, but he's also a 4-5, so he, he kind of falls into that that mm-hmm. center spot. Um, you know, you're looking at Marquise Chris, Willie Cauley-Stein, Kavon Looney, Spellman in there a little bit, Draymond, uh, not so much this year because they're not going to be going small, but it's kind of been a problem for the Warriors for the last – five years is they've had too many centers and you kind of think they're going to fix it every single year and they don't, but uh, you know, there was a small complaint when they were winning championships, but at this point it's, it's a little bit bigger of a deal, but yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think know. it's a, it's a philosophical thing that we've got to talk about when it comes to the Warriors, because it does sort of feel like their idea is, all right, let's get 
basically four all-star caliber perimeter players on the floor, and then just sort of have this bullpen of centers that we can we could just sort of roll out whenever we need them. JaVale McGee, Andrew Bogut, Zaza Pachulia, David, David West, like a bunch of different kind of centers with a bunch of different kinds of skill sets. Whichever one we need, we'll just we'll insert into our lineup when, if and when we need it. And then when it's really crunch time, we're just going to take a center off the floor all together and play Draymond Green at the yeah. five and just go death lineup, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, when we talk about the draft that's coming up and people look at a guy like James Wiseman and be like, wow, well, he'd, be, he'd be the best center the Warriors have ever had. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe he would be. But is that the sort of player you want to draft in the, with a first overall pick if you were to get the first overall pick? Because now, if he is what he's supposed to be, you don't really take him off the floor, right, in crunch time. And now mm-hmm. you're you're eliminating what has made the Warriors the Warriors with Draymond Green in that small ball lineup. And ultimately, I think even having Draymond Green at the five versus James Wiseman at the five is probably better, just, you know, depending on who that fifth person on the floor is going to be, um, that fifth perimeter player is going to be on the floor. So... I don't know that Jay's Wiseman is a shoe-in. I don't know that they necessarily need to find a quote-unquote answer at center as long as they're just able to have a kind of stable of dudes that they can roll out there. Like Marquise Chris is, could, could be one of those guys. Amari Spellman has his option picked up for next year. Um, there's some – like Kevon Mooney is under contract for another two years after this year. Like, is Maybe that's just enough to play enough minutes there at center. And then what you really should be worrying about is finding the new Harrison Barnes, the new Kevin Durant, that guy who could play the four next to Draymond Green. Exactly. And the thing is, uh, the, the the bullpen center situation that you mentioned, it's worked, too. That's the other thing is, you know, we can complain about it, but it's worked. My only complaint would be maybe we cut it down by one. And here's the other thing. Unless Smiley Geach becomes like a knockdown perimeter shooter, uh, he, he's I look at him as another center as well. So you're going to have some uh, the, the bullpen once again moving forward. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, you, you, you know, you mentioned guys under contract. Willie Cauley-Stein has a player option, which as far as his performance is concerned, it looks like that will be something that is picked up unless he's moved, uh, you know, sometime this year or this off season. Um, but you mentioned Marquise Chris, and I actually wanted to talk about him a little bit because I've been really impressed by him the last, you know, week or so. He did kind of put up a dud against the Kings, but he's, to me, he's been their best performing center this entire season. And it's not saying a ton, but over the last couple games, he's really showed out and I First off, I think he's not going to get cut or anything. Like his contract is going to be guaranteed, you know, what is it, January 7th. And he's going to be a part of this team at least this season. And then I think they might look to keep him moving forward uh, as long as he continues to play the way he has. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, This is a team that, uh, like, Marquise Chris is 22 years old. He was a former number eight pick. You could see that athleticism jump off the floor every once in a while. And Again, go back to like this James Wiseman situation or trading, De- you know, things I've heard is trading D'Angelo Russell for like Andre Drummond or something from Detroit. I'm like, Ugh. that doesn't make sense to me because you've got a guy like Marquise Chris. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that Marquise Chris is the next all star center, but I don't think you need an all star center. You just need sort of like replacement level centers who are under, you know, who have valuable uh, team contracts. And you look at this roster, if you're able to re sign Marquise Chris this summer, you're probably going to resign him to maybe maybe he gets the Kevon Looney contract, right? Maybe he's making four or five million a year. I don't think he's going to make a whole lot more than that. And if he does, well, then he's going to be gone. And then you've got to make a determination of what you're going to do at that position. But if you can get him under that sort of team-controlled deal, that's a valuable contract. And it's something that's movable in the future if you do decide you want to make a trade. 
But he's done enough, I think. I mean, the reason he went from training camp invite to beating out Alfonso McKinney for the last roster spot is because of how well he played with Steph Curry in the preseason, specifically with these dribble handoffs and setting hard screens on the perimeter and just kind of setting Curry free. And Curry went down, and I think Chris had a little bit of an adjustment, a little bit of a setback after that. He was kind of anonymous. He lost minutes to Amari Spellman, who overtook him for the backup center spot. And then Marquise Chris came on strong again, and now him and Spellman are sort of anchoring a second unit that seems even better than the starting unit in, in half of these games. And that passing ability that he flashed with Steph is now sort of expanded to the rest of the roster. Like He still sets great, great screens on the perimeter. He still has a real good feel for the game, which the, the coaching staff is impressed with. He's, a, he's probably the best cutter, off-ball cutter on the team, um, and just really makes things easy for his teammates. Like, just like – like these huge motions of like waving his arm up and down to say, Hey, I'm open passing the ball right now. And all you gotta do is lob it up for him because he's got that athleticism. So mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who just makes things easier at the pivot position. We know Steve Kerr likes those guys. So I'm going to imagine that they try to hold on to him after this season and build him into whatever this future rotation at center looks like. Before we uh, wrap this one up, how annoyed do you get with some of the proposed D'Angelo Russell trades that people throw at you? Cause I get pretty annoyed with some of them. <laughs> Yeah, I just know mostly because I know it's not going to happen this season. Everybody keeps wondering if it's going to happen this season. There's no way. There's just no way it happens this year. Um, it makes no sense on paper. I don't like the team doesn't. Want, I know like the team doesn't want to move on until like they're not even going to entertain offers until the summer because they still want to see what it's going to look like with Steph and Clay. And the, the, it's like the the audacity of some of these trade rumors. I mean, like the whole Giannis thing. Don't even get me started. It's, well, yeah, trade D'Angelo Russell. And, Kevon Looney in a pick for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, okay, that's like Milwaukee hangs up the phone. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. And then this other, like these other trades of you know you call Minnesota get Robert Covington in a pick. It's like, okay, why would you want another draft pick for the end of the yeah. lottery? Like that doesn't yeah. have any value to the Warriors. And then Robert Covington, really? Like you're going to trade an all-star point guard who's 23 years old for a three and D wing who like is fine. I, I just, I, to me, if the elite front offices in the league don't trade all-star caliber players on max contracts with value for depth, like you just, for de- like, you know, elite front offices find depth on the margins. And we've seen the Warriors now do that with guys like Eric Pascal in the second round, Kai Bowman undrafted, Glenn Robinson, you know, scrap heat free agent from Detroit. Like all those guys are legitimate rotation players. Now, I don't know how much they're going to actually help in, you know, an NBA finals or Western Conference final situation. But they're legit depth pieces, and you don't trade a guy like D'Angelo Russell with his ceiling for some, you know, 29-year-old wing player who may not be good. I, I just it that it, it just sort of boggles my mind when people say that. So come at me with like a real D'Angelo Russell trade, like some, you know, one that might make sense. Drew Holiday from the Pelicans, like that's a legitimate trade idea. Like mm-hmm. you could talk me into that being a good idea for both teams. Um, but I I've spent quite a bit of time on the trade machine just trying to figure out what would even make sense over the summer yeah, and it's tough to find a deal that makes a ton of sense right because and if you're the Warriors you don't want to just make a trade for the sake of making a trade I think you're, you'd rather find, yeah. uh, find a way to make it work on the court yeah definitely like uh, we've been saying or I've been saying it at least I think you agree is the best possible outcome is that it works with D'Angelo Russell he fits in and they're great and yeah. move forward and win new, you know a bunch more championships but yeah it's just the the variance of uh, yeah, go get the best player in the league or go get, you know, the 12th man on the bench for D'Angelo Russell. 
it's uh it's pretty funny i do have one trade that i'm eyeing but i will not mention because there's nothing behind Ooh. it it's it's just uh trade machine fodder that uh, <laughs> i love doing but anyways thank you guys so much for listening keep sending us those trade ideas as you can tell we love them uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.